0: So we're on to this morning and this morning's message. And I want to tell you all some really good news. Some really good news about who Jesus is, about who our heavenly father is, about his intention towards you, about his love for you, about what he wants for you and for me, for our lives to look like in him. This is in the Bible. Shouldn't be a surprise to you. But this is the truth that he wants us to live from uh, on a day-to-day basis. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. Now, that is the Apostle Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, but it's a prayer that was inspired by the Holy Spirit, so this is the heartbeat of the Holy Spirit. This is the heartbeat of God for you and I, for the church universal as we gather, as we, as we follow after Jesus. His desire, God's desire for you, is that together with his glorious unlimited resources, we will be empowered with inner strength through his spirit. He wants us to walk strong. He Won't Fail, such a perfect song for for this morning's message. This is the heartbeat of God for us. Scripture is so encouraging and empowering, and yet it is also so very realistic. Because the same biblical author, the Apostle Paul, who wrote Ephesians chapter 3, he also wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which says this, We now have this light shining in our hearts. We have all of that glorious riches shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. There's realism there. It's not... You come to Christ, you become a Christian, and suddenly everything is just plain sailing and a bed of roses, and life is smooth and easy. The truth is, life is hard, in some ways can be even harder, but we no longer walk that life alone. We are hard-pressed on every side. Many, many troubles. I look around the faces here this morning, looked around the faces in the first meeting this morning, and I know that for many of you, your life with God has not been easy. 2023 was a hard year for many people. Not just folks in this congregation, but as I speak with church leaders who lead in other parts of the country, it seems like 2023 gave people a bit of a kicking may have been your experience it was hard you were hard pressed you were discouraged you maybe came to the end of yourself but with the apostle paul and with the holy spirit with the lord god himself we can say that we have been hard pressed on every side but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair This is the the glory of what God does for us. He steps in alongside us. He pours his goodness into the midst of human brokenness. And he says, together with me, I will give you the strength to live. I will give you the ability to withstand the pressure and the hardship and the complication of life. It is tough. Let's not pretend. It's hard. But... As this verse says, we can be confident that together with him, we will not be crushed when he fills us, when his truth centers us, when his word becomes the source of our life, together with him, when we, when we are connected to his voice, we can walk in strength and withstand the pressure of life around us. I've brought some little props with me this morning. I have a little flimsy can of water. don't know when we started selling ca- uh, water in cans, but I found one this morning. Little flimsy can, not very thin, uh, sorry, not very thick. The walls are not very thick. It's just like a little flimsy can, and it's got water in it. And if I, with all of my grit, might squeeze hard, even both hands, not a chance. Michael, this man's got biceps to die for. Come on. <laughs> Give, give that a squeeze for me, would you? Just, I'll stand over here. Um, just give that a squeeze, best you can. <laughs> no, don't tread on it. Don't tread on it. Look, not a chance. If he can't do it, I guarantee most of us won't be able to do it. Thank you, Michael. Why can I not crush it? Because it's full. Oh, that's the technical answer, yes. It is full. It is full. And therefore, it cannot be crushed by the external pressure that I place upon it or Michael places upon it. I have an identical can which is not full. And even with my minuscule biceps, it just goes. Look, it wasn't that impressive. (laughs) It just goes to nothing. Our lives can be like this when we're not full of the glorious riches of Christ Jesus that the Lord wants us to walk in. And maybe 2023 has felt a bit like that. But I want us to understand this morning that God's intention for us on an ongoing basis is to walk full, aware of his voice, aware of his truth, centered on his word, confident that no matter what comes against us, we can stand, we can stand. We have such incredible access to him through his written word. We have such incredible access to him through the spoken word, through prophetic word, through a community of people who hear his voice and live according to that truth. It is amazing the access that we have. I want to just read to you a little bit about the voice of the Lord and what that voice brings to us when we center ourselves upon that. On a day to day, ongoing basis. So, this is, just read it to you, just listen in. Just listen in to the heartbeat of God and what He wants to bring to us. This is Psalm 29, starting at verse 3. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He um, he makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the mighty oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, everyone shouts, glory. That was good. That was good timing. That was good timing. That was good, wasn't it? I like that. <laughs> the voice of the Lord is constantly constantly there for you and I, constantly speaking. But there's so much noise in our lives. There's so much chatter in our ears. There's so much distraction. There's so much interference from the world around us, from inside our own hearts and minds, that actually the voice of the Lord just seems often to get lost in the middle of all of that. That's a tragedy, isn't it? Because his voice carries life-transforming truth for every day for you and I. Because he knows how we are made. He knows what we need. He knows our fragility. He knows the pressures that are coming against us. He knows what we need to receive into our innermost being so that we are able to stand. So that not only he won't fail, but so that we won't fail. And his, his invitation to us as a people is to listen and to posture ourselves to be able to hear every word that comes from his mouth, isn't it? And I think it's Matthew chapter four, where, where Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But do we catch it? Do we get hold of it? This is Mother Teresa. She says, we need to find God. And God cannot be found in the noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence, the friend of silence. And as I think about my life, I don't know what you guys feel, but as I think about my life, how much silence is there? How much genuine peace and ability to hear the still small voice of my heavenly father, how much is that actually present in my life? The genuine answer for me is not very much at all. We, um, as a team, were talking about this, this little series that we're beginning today. And the subject is solitude. And when I realized that this one was falling to me, My genuine response was, oh, no, please, somebody else do it. I I genuinely, I saw this, I thought, oh, my goodness, like, really? I immediately knew that I really do not have much solitude, stillness, silence. That does not characterize my life. If, If that is how you feel, please recognize we're on the same page. I am not standing here today saying I've got it together and I'm going to tell you all how to do it because I've been successful. This is a challenge in the 21st century world. One social commentator says that the 21st century world has practically engineered out the opportunity for solitude in any moment of life. Sounds depressing, doesn't it? So obviously, when I realized that I was going to have to speak on solitude, I made an important decision, and I just wanted to let you all know today that I'm moving house. Yeah. Um, this is where I'm now going to live. It's the South Island of uh, New Zealand. Apparently, it's quite, quite nice down there, Jane. There you go. And uh, I can well see myself in a location like this, far from people. You know, I'm sure we could probably still do a little bit of churchy stuff on Zoom. And, um, you know, just beautiful environment. I'm a little bit concerned, though, that we've got an outside loo, um, but... I'm sure it'll be all right. I'm sure that other things will make up for it. Now, when we, when we see words like solitude, when we see a spiritual discipline, because that's kind of what we're talking about here, when we see something up with this, the subject line of solitude, we immediately think, well, that obviously means I've got to go and get alone time. And it's not that at all, actually. So sadly, I will not be moving to this beautiful location. I will have to stay here in Stortford. But solitude is not about Alone time. It's not about me time. It's not about locking myself away from the, that unfortunate neighbor or that uh, difficult work colleague or whatever it may be, that complicated environment in which you live. It's not about getting alone. Solitude is not a spiritual discipline for introverts. I am an introvert might surprise some of you that I would do something like this when I'm an introvert, but the good thing about doing this is nobody speaks back to you, usually. Um, That's not an invitation, all right? It's not an invitation. So I can stand here, I can talk, but, you know, it's just me. I'm an introvert. But solitude is not a spiritual discipline just for the introverts. It's not especially difficult for the extroverts. It's not absolutely impossible for the extroverts and and really easy for introverts. It just doesn't work that way. Because it's not about me, myself, in a quiet space. If you're anything like me, and perhaps this is particularly true of introverts, when you get into a quiet space, the noise in here just begins to amp up. You're left alone with your thoughts, which you love, but they are plentiful. And your mind begins to spin and you begin to solve all the world's problems by yourself, And it's a very noisy conversation between your ears. Here's a definition, a bit of a working definition that I, as I've looked into this subject, I've come up with this for what the practice of solitude actually means. It's the intentional reduction of distracting inputs and internal noise so as to live consistently and increasingly aware of God's voice and his presence. Intentional reduction of inputs. Think about how many different sources of input you put yourself through every single day. 21st century starts with the alarm clock, which also happens most of the time to be the phone and your internet access. You reach to your bedside table and you immediately have infinity at your fingertips. Anybody else feel that? And throughout the day, we surround ourselves with all manner of noise. Some of it good, some of it not so good. We listen to the news while we have our breakfast. We take in a podcast on the, uh, on the, on the commute to work. We listen to music while we're walking down the street. We sit in a busy office. Um, I don't know how this works with the younger generation, but my daughter can study sociology and watch friends at the same time. It, it, like We fill our, fill our lives with noise, with input, and it is from the moment we open our eyelids to the moment we close our eyelids, and sometimes quietening that noise enough to be able to fall asleep is the big challenge. Intentional reduction of distracting inputs and internal noise, so as to live consistently and increasingly aware of God's voice, his life-giving voice and his presence. That's what Al and I have spoken about in the last couple of weeks. Al was talking particularly about that connection vertically to the heart of the Father. And we so fill our lives and our minds with noise that that connection is suppressed, To the point, like just a few moments ago, you could probably hardly hear the words of scripture for the the noise of chatter that was all around it. I want to suggest to you a couple of resources because if, like me, you see the invitation to embrace something called solitude and you think, not a chance, I'm so disinterested in that, please don't talk to me about it anymore. Um, That was genuinely where I was at um, a few days ago as I was beginning to think about this morning's message. Then I listened to this. Little podcast from the Rule of Life podcast. This is September last year, and it's an introduction to the solitude practice. I genuinely listened to this only because I had to speak about it today. No interest at all. At the end of one hour of of listening and consideration, I thought, oh my goodness, my life would be so much richer if I could just quieten the noise, quieten the noise. My heart, you know that? Be still and know that I am God. I realized, I'm just being completely honest here, I realized that that thing about be still, I, I know nothing about that. It, it's so, it's so sort of out there beyond the realm of my, of genuinely my experience, being still and knowing. I'm good at being motionless and considering deeply, but being still and knowing. As I say, this podcast, if you're a podcaster, you can get it on all of the usual platforms. I trust that it will actually give you a hunger to go deeper into this thing of deep connection with God. The second thing is an amazing book that we've recommended a number of times over the last few years. This by John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is hilarious, insightful, really practical. And again, it is a a book on the subject of drawing close to the Father that will just inspire you to want to go deeper. The incredible thing is, this is God we're talking about. The one who has said, I have come to give you life and to give it abundantly. And he says... All of that is available to you if you will connect to me, if you will quieten that noise in your mind and still your heart long enough to connect to what my voice is saying to you. This is no small invitation to hang out with a a colleague. This is the Lord. He's saying, I want to give you the resources to live life to the full. Life to the full is in me. It's such an incredible, incredible invitation. I want us to look for a moment at the product of solitude in Jesus' life. And I think what we'll see is that if we had this ourselves, wow, it would be so appealing. It it is so appealing. We would be so transformed by it. This is um, Mark, a story in Mark chapter one. And can I just say, when we read stories about Jesus, it's very easy just to go, oh, well, well, he is the Son of God. It's all very well for him. Yes, he's the Son of God who embraced fully human limitation to live in perfect relationship with his Father through the Spirit as a model for you and I. And he is, he, what he is saying to us is, this is how you, human being, can connect to the Father and live a supernaturally empowered life full of peace, full of confidence, full of trust. It's beautiful. So in Mark chapter one, verses 32 to 38, we see Jesus at the end of a very busy day and spilling over into the next day. Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist. He goes out, he spends 40 days in solitude with his Father. He is establishing a deep, foundation of unbroken connection. And then from that place, his ministry is launched. This is what he's come for. This is what has been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds of years. Jesus is finally on the scene and out he goes. And in Mark chapter 1 sort of the middle part of the chapter, we see him um, healing the sick, casting out evil spirits. He goes into Simon's house and he heals Simon's mother-in-law and people are talking about his teaching. People say, wow, this guy's amazing. We've never seen anything like this. Where does he get his teaching from? Word spreads all around the countryside. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Instagram. But somehow word got around the entire region and people streamed to see Jesus. In verse 32, it says, that evening after sunset, he's already had a busy day, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. Can you imagine? Don't know what the population of Stortford is. 45, 47,000, can you imagine 47,000 people come to hear the message that you are bringing, to receive the life that flows from your words and you're seeing people set free from diseases, um, crippling illnesses, healed with a word, demons cast out, people's lives turned completely upside down, freedom beyond your wildest dreams. This is all happening and the whole town has come to watch. And so Jesus, at the end of that day, goes in to the house and spends some time asleep, what would you do the next day? If it was me, be like, right, this train is a running. Here we go. More of the same, please. Let's get that crowd back. Let's keep this going. We're gonna tell the world about God. We are going to heal more sick people. We're gonna set more people free. We are going to bring the transformation, heaven to earth. This is what we live for. I'd be all over that. Jesus, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. He knew that the only way he can sustain the life in the spirit that he carried was to set everything else aside and connect to the one. And he doesn't just spend half an hour there because the next verse goes on to tell us that later... Simon and the other disciples went out to find him. Where the heck has he gone? Like, mission has started. We need to keep going. The crowds are beginning to wander off. And, they, and they, they, they look for him. And when they find him, they say, Jesus, everybody is looking for you. Can you not hear the clamor? Can you not, can you not understand how desperate people are to receive what you have to say? But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I'll preach to them too. That's why I came. So off he went. And what we see as the product of Jesus' solitude with the Father that next morning are these things. Jesus is grounded and centered. He's not tossed and blown by the desperate cries of humanity. He is completely in touch with God and Himself. He knows exactly what He needs to prioritize on that day. And He knows exactly what He has to say no to. And when I look at that little list, and when I look at my little life, I think, oh my goodness, so much of my life is headless chicken mode. You know what I mean? Just spinning around, running from one thing to the next. What's the the next priority? What is the next thing that's screaming for my attention? Far from grounded, far from centered. Far from in touch with God and self. Unable to prioritize. It just depends who screams the loudest. Which email keeps popping up in your inbox? Who keeps WhatsApping you at strange times of the day? You know, it's not pointing any fingers. The ability to say No. And just to be at peace with that, like, wow. This is the product of a life built around the practice of solitude and deep connection with God. And I personally find that really appealing. And I honestly also believe that people who walk this way are some of the most attractive people to be around. I know some of them. I'm absolutely blessed when I get to spend time with people who are grounded and centered and in touch with God, at peace with themselves, able to say, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do that and be completely at ease with it. And I believe that this spiritual discipline of solitude is an invitation for us as God's people in this town. It's another way in which we will shine in this environment when people rub up against us and say, wow your life is not just dictated by the frantic pace of 21st century modernity you're you're centered on something absolutely otherworldly i want that i absolutely want that and so i think what i have found myself this week and it's literally been in the last three or four days as I've been thinking about this I recognize I desperately want to cultivate little portals of divine connection and encounter with him I don't Necessarily want to drop everything and do a 21 day solitude, you know, as, as attractive as that mountainside retreat place would be in New Zealand. Life isn't going to work. You know, children wouldn't get fed, dogs wouldn't get walked, work would probably fire us if we, if we just walked away like that. It's not an opt out, it's not an invitation to just drop life. But there is an invitation to embrace something that is really profound. And I just want to encourage you with these three. Simple little ideas about how do we potentially begin to make this practical. The first one is eliminate don 't add don't don 't desperately try to add solitude into your already rammed life that 's just another thing to get stressed out about you know if if you recognize that actually you have no headspace, no No moments, no little portals into eternity where you can just be still and know that he is God. Then think about what what could I potentially look to eliminate? Start small. As I say, don't go from here. Think, right, that's it. 21 days. Solitude starts tomorrow. Here we go. Goodbye, world. Let's, Let's not be silly about it. Start with little, tiny, incremental steps that will begin to fuel the hunger and the understanding in your heart about what, this, what life this brings to you. And then thirdly, I think this goes for all of us in all of our spiritual journey. It's about progress. It is about journey. It's not about reaching perfection. If you're not suddenly mirroring the life of Mother Teresa, please don't panic. It's, it's about stepping towards the King of all Kings and saying, Lord, show me something new and fresh and beautiful about yourself that's going to amaze me. I want to, I want to connect. To make it personal, I'm going to share with you some of the things that I might do. <laughs> these are things that, um, simple little baby steps for me, and perhaps these might resonate with you, but for me, One of the things that God said to me was, Gareth, just stop taking your phone to the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. man. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it happens. You know, I'm sure. It's a a man thing. Is that right? Oh, my goodness, Barbara. Barbara, you're going to get in trouble. Um, The second thing was, uh, first thing in the morning, don't check Instagram and news headlines as soon as you wake up. Don't begin to fill your head, this is God speaking to me, don't begin to fill your head with the headlines, the weather, the latest Instagram feed, what's going on around the world before you first of all just sit down, open the pages of Scripture, and center your heart on me. Don't always have music on in the background. Again, just God speaking to me. Let silence be silence. Silence see those moments as opportunities just to say, Father, what might you be saying to me? And the other one, again, this is probably more particular for me, but you know, when I walk the dog or when I walk into work, don't, don't always have to listen to a podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And most of them are biblical stuff. Most of them are you know, church leaders, sermons, stuff like that. It's about God. But what I'm recognizing is that that voice, whilst it the content is good. It's not his voice. It's secondhand. And I just sensed the father's invitation to say, I want to hear you. I want to hear your heartbeat. I want to I sense your presence more. That's about as clever as, as it gets this morning. But I, my hope is that perhaps in this, you've, you've sensed the invitation to a depth that your life has not yet accessed. There is life in his word. There is power in his voice. And he wants us as a community not to end up with, with 2024 looking just like this, but rather he wants us to be people who are hard pressed on every side because life is tough and yet we stand because of our connection that is unshakable. So as we look to close things out, why don't we just take a moment and I just want to invite us to pray and just to come before the father and just invite him to show you if there's any little steps that you can take that will actually take you into that place of being still and knowing that he is God. So let's just take a moment. Holy Spirit, we want to invite you to speak. Lord, we want to thank you for your voice. We want to thank you for your presence that will never be withdrawn from us. But Lord, it is our desire to quiet the other things, the distractions that rob us of the truth. That you bring, which is life giving. I pray now, Holy Spirit, will you speak to every heart? Father, we pray that you will transform us by your word, so that as we are transformed, our relationships are transformed, that our kids and our young people will see that deep connection that we carry and long for it themselves. That the peace that we carry will be so beyond understanding that our neighbors, that our work colleagues will say, wow, I need what you've got. Lord, it's all about you. It's all from you. Holy Spirit, plant a seed in our hearts this morning to connect with you deeply and to live from that place. Amen.